0: Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Just before I get into this message, I want to just first make a couple of observations um, for context. N- number one is this that I think many of you are aware of the fact that. That there's a, a a new sense of expectation here. It's like when that song just came up about expectation of what God's going to do. It's like there's this there's something extra special that rises in our hearts. Um, I think that's because of specifically what God is doing here, speaking to us at this moment. But also, it's 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 not just about us. There's something happening. Uh, really uh, uh, across the land, the spectrum. Uh, Don and I have the privilege of traveling to many, many churches uh, all the time. And I'm going to tell you in this, just in this season we're in now, I'm hearing wherever I go, I'm hearing more people who, who are saying things like they're hungry for revival. Matter of fact, even using the word, I'm hearing the word revival more wherever I go this year than I have for many, many years. And it's so interesting. You know, it's like, and God's planned this thing. You know, I, I, it's so interesting. This is just one thing. You know, just recently there was this whole thing that happened at Asbury College in Kentucky, which has really gotten the attention uh, of the church in this nation. Uh, and it's so interesting that. You know there was this movie, Jesus Revolution. How many of you have seen the Jesus Revolution movie? Uh, it, it, it's a about a, a real move of God that took place back in the late '60s and early '70s. Uh, that's the 1960s and, and '70s. We're talking about my generation. I'm not talking about the 18. I'm not talking about my mom's generation. We're talking. <laughs> we're we're talking. 20th century. Uh, and uh, But it's so interesting that, you know, I heard the producer of that say that they worked were working on that for seven years. Oh, wow. It's interesting how the number seven comes up all the time. Huh? Wow. So they were working on that for seven years and then set the date for it to come out, which the whole Jesus Revolution movie is about a move of God among young people in their late teens and early 20s. And when he set that date, he'd been working on it seven years, and lo and behold, two weeks before it's supposed to come out, this whole Asbury revival takes place, a move of God among young people, and catches the attention of the nation, which just heightens the expectation for a movie like Jesus' Revolution. You know, I'm just saying that there's God's doing some things that are very interesting, and certainly here, there's something very interesting happening. And, and, you know, you take, for example, pastors Josh and Tori are in this, have been the last few months in this season, and I, I call it a prophetic season, and I've been in a few of them. Donna and I have a handful of them down through the years, and those are seasons where that got, where, you know, God's speaking to you many different times, but you get in this season where everywhere you turn, God's talking to you. And it started with Pastor Josh and Tori back in September of last year when they were in another city, in another state, at a conference with hundreds of people and a a preacher that they didn't know, that didn't know them, and out of hundreds of people, he calls them out and prophesies to them, And, and it's about what God wants to do here, and it was about them and how God wants to use them in leadership, and that set it off. And now it seems like about every week, Josh calls me and said, hey, Dad, I got another one. God's God's speaking to me. And it's interesting, it all ties in together, God's speaking the same thing. Well, what does that mean? Well, when that happens, you know, there's a beautiful scripture in the Old Testament that says that God never does anything without first revealing it to his prophets. Now, that's Old Testament, so it says prophets, now in the New Testament would be pastors you know, apostles, you know, so forth. And so God speaks like that. He brings leadership uh, into a season uh, of of him speaking as a prelude to something that God wants to do that's powerful. And so I think that it's exciting because God has something very powerful for this place. And uh, y'all agree with that. Now I just want to say one thing before I get into this message, and I say before I get into this message because this is not my message, so don't count it against me and my time. (laughs) The, the, uh, that I want to say, what does that mean? All that mean, and what does it not mean? Well, first of all, it just means that it's exciting. God has something on His agenda for us. God, we're on God's radar, and I'm excited about that. Uh, But what it does not mean, now listen very carefully. What it does not mean is that we sit around waiting for something to happen. You know, like that, you know, the, that's kind of a revival mentality sometimes. Oh, God spoke and he's going to do something. We're just waiting for it to happen. And, you know, I just say, I got a Greek word for that, baloney. You know, it's like, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, God is already here right now. God is moving right now. We're not waiting for anything. God's waiting for us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So there you go. Now, let's get into my message. So these messages, I think, have to do with helping to prepare us for what God has for us ahead. And here's the way I want to break this open. In just a moment, we're going to go to Genesis 1. Uh, But here's the way I want to open it. You know, when I study the Bible, I love to look for major themes. You know what I call threads that run through the Bible that tie everything together. And of course, the most prominent of those prominent of those threads would be blood, sacrificial blood ties everything together in the Bible. And, uh, and another one of those threads is covenant, and another one is kingdom. And it's important to know these threads because they become, if we know them, then whenever we read the scripture, we look at everything through the filter of these threads. Are you all with me now? And it helps us to see the big picture. Well, recently, more recently, I found a new thread. Now, it's, you know, not, it's not new, really new, new. It's just new to me. I've known this as a biblical truth for many years, but I didn't see it as a thread. And so that's what I want to talk about. Here's the thread. Are you ready? The thread is called taking ground or taking new ground. I never really saw it until more recently. How, if you look through the whole Old Testament, the whole thing is really about taking ground. And I'm gonna, I am going i do not have time to go through all that today. But in this one message I want to spend most of our time in Genesis 1. Are you ready? Here we go. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion." Stop. This is interesting. Here we are at creation. God's getting ready to introduce man make man for the first time, and of all the things that God could say or could talk about, he decides to only talk about one thing, dominion. And I thought about this. You know, it's like, you know, if you're going to, you you know, whenever something is first happening, especially when this crucial moment when God's creating man, whatever God says at that moment is not just a statement of fact, it's a matter of principle, it's a matter, of, it's something that's guiding everything else. And I thought of all the things that God could have talked about, but yet he said, let's make man in our image, and the only thing that he says is let them have dominion. Now does that mean anything to you? I mean, it means something to me. I mean, you know, if you have a baby, when that baby comes out, I mean, you know, hold the baby in your hands, you, know, you don't say at that crucial moment, oh my God, I wonder where they're going to college. I wonder who they're going to marry. What, what career are they going to have? No. You know what you say? It's a boy or it's a girl. They've got brown hair. They've got blue eyes. At that moment, you talk about what it is. And at this moment, it's interesting. God is talking about what it is. Well, y'all didn't get that anyway. You'll, you'll get excited when you see it. And here's what you need to see in order to really fully grasp it. Now get this, to fully grasp this, you have to understand that when he says, let them have dominion, in the original text that this is written, it doesn't say, let them have dominion. To understand it, if you go back earlier in this chapter to verse 3, there's a similar phrase, it goes like this. It says, and God said, let there be light and there was light. Except it doesn't say that in the original text. What it says is this, and God said, light be, and light was. Now that's altogether different, because when God said, God said, light be, God was not making a statement of fact only. God was making a declaration And if you understand anything about how the Word of God works, when God makes a declaration, that declaration is releasing or imparting what it is that that Word has spoken. So when God says, Light be, this ball of fire comes into existence called the sun, and God releases the nature of light into that into that ball of fire, and it immediately begins to shine. And it doesn't begin to shine because God told it to shine. God never gave it a command to shine. It begins to shine because that's what it is. God released, by his word, the DNA of shining into the sun, and it automatically shines because that's consistent with its identity. If you come back to verse 26, it said, let them have dominion. What it really says is, and God said, dominion be. Boom. And dominion was. What God was doing is he was making a declaration. And as he makes that declaration, when he first creates man, he releases or imparts the very nature of DNA, or nature and DNA of dominion into man. And man exercises dominion, not because God told him to, not because he gave him a command to, but because that's who he is. Now now listen to me. I don't know if that means anything to you, but whenever I first saw this, I came unglued. That's why I get excited. Some of you think, well, Pastor Rick gets excited. Dude, if you see this stuff, it's crazy. This is better than crack, man. It's like, I don't know what crack's like, but I know it's better than crack. Oh, you know? Oh, she, they know when they say it is. All right. I trust you. Hallelujah. Ha Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're a testimony. All right, now this is it. Sonny, here's the thing. It changes everything when I understand this. When I saw this, that God doesn't give him a command, say now go and have dominion. Man exercises dominion because he's acting consistently, consistent with who he is, with his DNA. When I saw this, I went through the New Testament. And I searched through the New Testament because I had an idea. And I looked, and I could not find one time in the New Testament where God says anything, where God tells us to exercise dominion or take authority. And I don't know about you, but that surprised me. I always assumed it was there. The closest I could find was in the book of James when it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But that's not a command either. That's just stating the way things work. You resist the devil and he flees. And most importantly, the words of Jesus, Jesus talks a lot about dominion and authority. But when he talks about it, he talks about it always like this. He says, I give you authority. It sounds like releasing, right? I give a release in part authority to you over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. When he calls the disciples, commissions them, he says, I give you authority and power to heal the sick and cast out devils. He's always speaking it in the form of, I am releasing it to you. There's never a command. And that all that really intrigued me because God over and over is speaking to us that we need to understand that dominion the nature of dominion is our DNA. And why you say well why is that important to understand? I'm going to tell you why. That's important to understand because if that's your nature you're, that's God, when God released that to you, it's the only thing he said when he created man, then when you don't live exercising dominion or taking authority, when you live passively, when you live that apathetic lifestyle, letting anything and everything come along and not resisting it or fighting against it, when you live in weakness and defeat, And discouragement. Are you with me now? When you live like that, you're not just living in disobedience. You're living contrary to your nature. You're violating your very identity. And that's why when you live in passivity, apathy, complacency, Just kind of like, well, you know, not fighting against things, not standing up and taking charge spiritually over things. When you live like that, that's why it releases all these disses in your life. You know what disses are, don't you? Discontent, discouragement, discord. You become dysfunctional. What's this with all these disses? Here's what it is. Diss does not just mean no. Like on di- discourage, it doesn't just mean no courage. Dis means contrary to or against or out of alignment with, out of a sync with. So when you live discourage, It doesn't just mean that you don't have courage. It means you're living out of alignment with or contrary to the way God has designed you. God has not designed you to just sit there and put up with all the junk the enemy will bring against you. God has given you the DNA of a spiritual authority To stand up and say no to the enemy and demand that things come in line with God and His will. Listen, and I'm going to tell you something. That's not just a Pentecostal idea. People think the Pentecostals came up with that. Like it's these wild, super spiritual people. No, this is a human idea. We get it at creation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, anyway, I want to talk more about that, but I better go on. I've only got an hour and a half left. All right. (laughs) So he says, let them have dominion. Now let's go on in this verse. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and now watch this. Then he sums it all up. Over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God says, I've given you dominion. And now He's announcing the sphere of that dominion. He said, Here's the sphere of your dominion. He said, It's over all the earth and everything in it. Now, what is earth? The earth is basically just ground, it's territory. It's land. So God says, I give you dominion over all the ground and everything in it. Now, here's the thing. Let's bring that forward to today. What does that mean for us? Listen. Here's what the Lord spoke to me everything is ground. Now, if you're taking notes, you need to write that down. Everything is ground. And what I mean by that, now, watch this. It starts with you. When God says, I give dominion over all the ground, it starts with you. Your body is ground. Now, the Bible is very clear. I could point to a number of scriptures, but it says in Romans 12:1, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. What he's saying there is he's saying, I'm charging you, Take authority over your flesh. Take dominion over that stupid flesh that wants to cater to its own lust. Do not let your body do whatever it wants to do. Are you with me now? And so, secondly, as a matter of fact, there's another place where Paul says this. I love it. He says, I buffet my body. Now, some people think that says, I buffet my body. But it, that's not what Paul says. He he's not talking about going to the country buffet. He said, I buffet my body. I love that because it's, it's, that's militant language, which is in keeping with this idea that God is saying, I've given you dominion over all ground, and your body is ground. Take authority over your flesh. Don't let your flesh rule you. Now, what I'm telling you, this is who you are, and when you live letting your flesh go, I mean, it could be with anything, any addiction, any habit, any kind of lust of any kind. It could be letting your five senses lead the way. When you live like that, it's no wonder you have all these disses released in your life. You're living contrary to your very nature. So anyway, also your mind is ground. Paul goes on in Romans 12 too. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love that. What's Paul saying? He says, don't be conformed. Don't let your mind just go along with the flow of the mindset of this culture. We've got a problem. I won't get into it. It takes too long, but we've got a problem where our culture is going crazy off the cliff And some Christians are unwittingly going off that cliff with them, gradually dumbing down the gospel and changing language to accommodate, kind of like, go along to get along. And I'm, I'm telling you, that's a huge problem. I think Paul's hitting this. He says, don't you go down that road. Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's he saying? Don't go along with the flow fold, fold of the culture. Take hold of your brain, your thoughts. You know, get a hold of them and demand that they live and walk according to the word of God, to God's thoughts. I love that. So anyway, the ground, hes not give you dominion over all ground. It starts with you. But now watch this. So if you don't take authority over you, You'll never be able to exercise dominion over anything out there. But once you take authority over you, watch this. Everything else is ground. So your household is ground. Your marriage is ground. Your kids are ground. Are you with me now? In other words, God, don't you say, well, look, this sounds like work hello, you know, it's like God has designed us to where that we only function properly, we're only at peace, in alignment, unity with ourselves, God and people, if we live rising up, taking authority over things in our life to bring them under the rule of Christ, bring our marriage under the rule of Christ, bring our kids under the rule of Christ. When you get outside of that, everything else is ground. Now, listen to me carefully. Everything else. The schools are ground. Now, you you remember God God says, I give you dominion over all the ground. Well, schools are ground. And I say that because people say we don't belong in the schools. As Christians, schools are our ground. This city is our ground. Fenton is our ground. And you could go on and on and on and on. So everything is ground. It brings us to our next step. Are you ready for this? Watch this. So now we go on in this passage, and it says in verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them. So now, now for the first time, God is now giving them a command. Are you ready for this? He says, I give you dominion over all the ground. He said, now I'm going to give you a command. Here it is. He says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So now, now watch this. I love this. Because when God says four things, he doesn't mean one thing. Elaborated four different ways. Like, you know, be fruitful, honor of life, build the earth to do it. It kind of like means, oh, just go out and do it. No. When God says four things, he means four things. What he's giving us here, he, he already told us our dominion is over all the ground. Now he's giving us a strategy. Ah, I love this. Listen to this. And here's the strategy to understand the strategy You have to back up a bit and look at creation itself. When God created everything, now he makes this sphere called the earth, this planet called the earth. And the earth is just all this ball of ground. And God says, man, I give you dominion over all of it, all the ground. But even though he gives us man dominion over all the ground, He takes this one tiny patch of ground in the whole earth and he makes it into a garden and puts man in that little patch. And he tells man to tend and keep this little patch. And now hang with me now. He gave him dominion over all the ground, but he puts him on this little patch and says, tend and keep this. What's going on here? And I saw it instantly. Here's what's happening. God says, tend and keep this little patch. It's the same as when he gives this command. The first thing he says is be fruitful. Same as tend and keep it. Be fruitful. So he's saying, here's what you need to do. Dear heart, I'm putting you in this little patch of ground That I've already brought to flourishing with life and blessing. It's the only place in all the ground that I've brought to flourishing with life and blessing. And I've put you here so you can learn to co-labor with me. So you can grow in your relationship with me. Learn to hear my voice. Learn how to take authority To be fruitful in bringing more life and blessing to this place that is easy because it's already flourishing with life and blessing. And as you do that and you learn to co-labor with me, he says, then go out and multiply and fill the whole earth. Ah! Get that? This This is what he's saying. Here's the plan. The plan is actually the garden was supposed to be a training ground. That's where they had their training wheels on. But they weren't to spend their whole life in the garden. We have this mental image of that, like, well, they were always supposed to spend their whole life in the garden. No, dear heart, that gate on the garden was never closed until after they sinned, it was open. They were supposed to learn to cooperate and co-labor with God. And then go, what God was saying, learn how to do it here. And then once you learn how to do it here, go out there and make happen out there what you've seen me do in here. I love that. You know, when you see that, then all of a sudden what you see is you see the Great Commission right here in the creation mandate. That the whole plan all along was not to live in a garden. It was to learn in a garden. The whole focus was to be out there, to take ground out there. Ah, good preaching, Brother Rick. Oh, thank you. Listen. You get that? I love this. Now, so that, that's the whole focus. And I love this thing that he also, before he says fill the earth, between be fruitful and fill the earth, he also says multiply. Now that word multiply in Hebrew means to become much or many. So so what that's saying is, he's saying here, between you growing up and being discipled, learning how to co-labor with God, between that and you going out evangelistically, and touching the world and bringing life and flourishing to the world. Between that, there needs to be this thing of where you raise up sons and daughters and you train them to do what you know how to do because you're never going to take all that ground by yourself. Ah! So right there in the creation mandate is discipleship. Ah! My goodness! Raise up sons and daughters. Folks, listen. In this place, there must be a culture in every one of us where we're not living just to be raised up ourselves, but we're always looking backward and bringing others along with us. And there must always be this consciousness, this this awareness that, that God is always about raising up the next generation. Let me tell you something, young people, almost all past revivals or moves of God have happened amidst young people. The work that God did among young people has been the primary feature. Now, so anyway, what does that have to do with us today? You say, we don't live in a garden. Oh, I think we do. You know what I think the garden is for us? I think the garden today is the church. Think about it. God brings all of us together and calls us into a place like this that is already flourishing with life and blessing. I mean, the presence of God is here. The Word of God is being taught powerfully. You with me now? You're learning to walk with God. You're learning to hear His voice. You're learning to pray. You're learning to co-labor with Christ here. Are you with me now? In this optimum environment. But God has never called you or me to exist only in the garden. Are you with me now? The garden is only for you to be equipped so, you can go out there and take ground that God has given you. Are you with me now? I love that. So, you see, some people have this wrong concept of church where they think they come to church so they can be blessed. Feed me, Pastor, feed me. Oh, yes, hallelujah. I come here because I like to worship. Oh, I come here because I like Pastor Josh, Pastor Tor. Oh, I just come here because it makes me feel good. Baloney. All of that doesn't mount a hill of beans. You're not here to receive only. You are here to be raised up. I mean, you're not here to be even comforted. Now, Pastor Josh and Tori, they amaze me at what pastors they are, how they care for the people, and they will comfort you. They are far more loving than I am. I mean, it's just the truth. No, no, no. That is the truth. Not than Donna. They're not more loving than Donna, but they're far more loving than I am. I've been very impatient in the past. i got people to tell you that. I'm so glad Ruth and Dennis Carlton are here. And Ruth, some of you don't know, Ruth Carlton used to be my secretary years ago. Now, I should have made her sign a a, a a non-disclosure agreement. But I didn't, so I charge all of you, do not talk to Ruth Carlton. (laughs) You know, Pastor Josh and Tori are so loving and caring, but I want to tell you that's not why they're here and why you're here. I always like to say in all the New Testament, there's only one scripture that gives any kind of definition of what pastors are to be. In Ephesians 4.11, it says, they are for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. They are to equip people so they can go and do the work of the ministry. So I love this. Now, now listen to me very careful when I say this. Oh, Jesus help us. Listen to I love this because for one thing, I am sick and tired. I am sick and tired. Y'all know what makes me sick and tired? I am sick and tired of the world telling us Christians, you Christians, you just do whatever you want to do within the four walls of your church. But be nice little Christians and don't bring your faith out into the marketplace. Don't bring it out into the public arena. It doesn't belong there. You'll get canceled if you take it out there. Just do whatever you do within the four walls of the church. And folks, I want to tell you something. Those people do not understand that we cannot do that. If we do that, we end up not becoming the church at all. Because this is not our ground. What happens in these four walls is our garden, but that's our ground and God has not just given us dominion over the garden, he's given us dominion over all the ground. <laughs> Hallelujah! I love that! Again back to the schools, you know all this junk that's happening with infiltration of liberal culture into our schools, you know, and, you know, Christians, you know, like a, try to play nice and, you know, try to like, you know, like, oh, well, we'll just pray. And we don't understand. and We need to just meditate on this, that God has given us dominion over all the ground and schools are ground. Now, the dominion doesn't mean political dominion. We're not talking about, you know, getting AK-47s and going and marching on something. We're... We're we're talking about spiritual dominion. In schools, the city. And you say, well, what, what does that mean? It means that the church only really validates its existence when it exists not for itself, but it exists for the world out there. So what that means is when we talk about revival, Folks, yes, we want God to move inside the four walls of this church, but really it's only for one reason, and that is that the people here become so filled with the anointing of the Holy Ghost that they can go out empowered by the Holy Spirit to take this gospel out to all the ground out there. Hallelujah. I like that. Isn't that good? So anyway, it brings me to this, to the fourth thing. It says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. This word subdue is interesting because when we think of the word subdue, it means something completely different to us than it did to Adam and Eve. When we think of the word subdue in relation to spiritual authority, we immediately think of coming against the devil or the enemy, casting out spirits, breaking curses, right? That's what we think about, subdued. That's not at all what Adam and Eve were thinking about. Simply because at that time, Satan did not have any power to resist them. So there's nothing to rebuke. And there was no curse on the earth. So there were no curses to break. So when God told them to subdue, subdue it, to them it meant something like what I would mean if I said to you, I have a garden here, and I would like you to take your green thumb and come and subdue this garden. And I don't mean it's full of demons. What I mean is would you come, take your green thumb, and bring this under your control to bring it to life and flourishing? Are you with me? That's all it meant. But after sin came into the earth, everything changed. So much so that when God eventually raises up the nation of Israel, what does he do? The first thing he talks to them about is taking ground. And when he does, here's what he says. Look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 8. This is interesting. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8. He, God says, see, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. So God is telling Israel to go in and take this ground. And when he does, he introduces, you ready for this? He introduces a new word, possess. Possess. Adam and Eve knew nothing about this word. So God introduces this new word. He said, I want you to go in and possess it. And the reason he introduces this new word is because this new word, possess, has three primary meanings. Now watch this. The second meaning of possess is to seize and take control of. The third meaning of possess is to occupy. So God says, go in, seize, take control of, and occupy this ground. But you can't do two and three without first doing one. And the first meaning of possess is to dispossess. So he's saying, when you go to the land, you have to first dispossess the enemies that are occupying the ground before you can seize, take control of, and occupy the ground. Ah, this is it. So therein, in that one little concept, you find the whole idea that we practice today of spiritual warfare. Things like prayer, intercession and prayer, where we don't just pray, God, come and do this, but we also pray, Satan, we bind you. We break your power. We break those curses. No, you will not stop God's word. We dispossess the enemy. Are you out there today? Yeah. So that's very important to know that we do that even with ministry to people. Sometimes, not always, but when I'm praying for someone who's sick, sometimes I will say, and and. and, and I come against this binding spirit that's doing whatever. I break your power. So I I somehow am led to dispossess before we seize, uh, uh, take control of an occupant. Are you all with me on that today? And Jesus did the same thing when Jesus came to a man who was deaf and dumb. You know what he did? He said, I come against you, you deaf and dumb spirit and he casts that spirit out, that is dispossessing. So dispossessing, you have to dispossess before you possess. Are you with me now? Yeah. That's, that's huge, uh, but really we're doing it all the time anyway. Let me ask you a question here. How many of you in this place have ever in the past been healed of any sickness disease infirmity of any kind if you have no don't just raise your hand give me a big shout all right all of that is ground that's been taken how many of you have ever been delivered of drugs alcohol pornography food any other kind of habit or whatever if you give me a big shout that's ground that's taken How many of you ever been delivered of any kind of mental torment, fear, insecurity, uh, discouragement, depression, anxiety, any other thing? If you have been delivered of that, give me a big shout. That's ground that's taken. Come on, listen. I'm going somewhere. How many of you at one time were lost without God? You were living under the kingdom of darkness. You were without hope in this world. But one day, you heard the gospel, and you came to Jesus and gave your life to him, and all of a sudden, your sins were washed away. You were brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and now you are saved. If you are, give me a big shout. Now, all of that is ground that's been taken. We're taking ground all the time. Just think of that. We're taking ground from the enemy all the time. But here's the thing to watch this. Dispossessing is only the first part. And it's so interesting that we, spirit filled Christians, people who believe in the beauty of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, all that. We spirit-filled Christians, we have a tendency to love the dispossessing part. And we're real good at it. We do it all the time. But the problem is, that's only one half of the equation. After you dispossess, then you have to seize, take control of, and occupy I can see all of you thinking a new thought right now some of you are batting your eyes at me. It's kind of freaking you out You know Jesus says in one place listen this closely in one place Jesus says he says when a demon is cast out of a man That demon goes all about the land looking for someone else to occupy And when he cannot find another house to occupy he comes back to the first man and watch the language here Finding his house swept clean and empty, he re-enters the man and brings in seven more demons with him. Dude, listen to this. What's happening here? What happened is the man did the first part of possessing. He dispossessed the enemy. But evidently, because his house was swept clean and empty, what that means is the enemy was gone But he did nothing to fill his vessel with the presence of God and the word of God and obedience to God, are you with me now, which would be seizing, taking control of, and occupying that ground. And because the enemy was dispossessed, but he didn't seize, take control of, and occupy his own vessel, his victory was short-lived. And I think we spirit-filled Christians many times have short-lived victories because we know how to dispossess, but we don't know how to seize, take control of, and occupy. Now watch this as I land this plane. Y'all know it takes 20 minutes to land a plane, don't you? I'm joking. Watch this. I'm joking. Watch this. We're almost done. So look at this. So, let me put it this way. In Isaiah 61, see, all Pentecostals, all Spirit-filled Christians love Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, a recovery of sight to the blind, to set the captives free, to open the prison doors. Howly, we love that. Because all of that is about dispossessing the enemy. But watch this. It doesn't stop there. The passage doesn't stop there. If you go on down, and that's verses one and two. If you go on down two verses to verse four, look what it says. In verse Isaiah 61:4, look at this. And everybody say, and. So he's saying, all you spirit-filled people, the Spirit of God's on you. You're dispossessing the enemy. He said, and, watch this, they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. What's happening right here? You ready for this? Here's something. In the body of Christ, it seems we have two camps. We have these real super spiritual people that are all about dispossessing the enemy. Oh, let's pray, 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 but do nothing else. And then over here you have this whole camp in the church that's all about social agenda. Let's help people. Let's love people. But they do no kind of spiritual work behind the scenes. And It becomes a mere social organization. And what Isaiah 61 says is that neither one of those Are really possessing the land to possess the land you have to dispossess the enemy but you also have to occupy the land what he's doing is marrying together spiritual warfare and ministry practical ministry are you with me now in other words there comes a time where it's no longer sufficient to stand at a distance and curse the enemy over there. At some point, you need to get up and become an answer to your own prayer and go stand on that ground and do something to make a difference. Now, I lost some of you with that. You know, you're not excited about that. But listen to this. You know, There's a thousand ways that we can do this. Here's what I want to say in ending this. When we talk about revival in this place, or move of God, those things, great terms. Yes, we are talking about a heightened sense of God's presence here. We're talking about more manifestation of power to heal people, set people free. Yes. But that's not really the end game of what we're talking about. All that's garden stuff. The end game is really, we want God to do such a work here that it will overflow out of this place and God will make this place a sending station to touch the world around us. The only thing that really validates our existence is what kind of impact we make out there. Now folks, listen to me. I don't think we're doing nothing, I actually think we're doing a lot. I think there's, I think we are taking ground in many ways. I, when I was thinking about this, I thought about the pantry out there. You guys are leading that, right? Is that right? All right. The pantry. Now listen, the pantry, y'all know about the pantry, right? All right. What? Jesus, Jesus knows about it. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right, listen to this. The pantry is not far of the garden. The pantry for the ground out there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's taking ground. You say, well, wait, how is giving groceries taking ground? Folks, let me tell you this. Get rid of your Western rational mindset where you've got to measure everything. Rack up, you know, put notches in your belt. We can't measure this. You're taking ground every time you take the presence of God and the Word of God and you go and serve people and love people. You're taking ground. It's true. I thought about these mission trips that we're taking. You guys are taking every year. And you know, it's like, it's awesome. I think they're going to ramp it up, even take more. Is that right? Oh, you don't know? All right, anyway. Come on, Keith, you slacking off? What's the matter, Keith? Come on, somebody light a fire into Keith, will you? No, I don't think you have to do that. You when they go down there, you say, oh, well, it's just building a house. What's building a house? Now, listen to me. No, 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 no. You don't understand. They're not just building a house. They're taking ground. Anytime you send a group of people out there Armed with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, with a heart to love and serve the people, yeah. you're taking ground. Yeah. Are y'all still out there today? Yeah. I love that. I know that the, uh, somebody here, is it Gary? Just say, you've been for a long time involved in serving in a crisis pregnancy center. Is that right? Is that true? Yeah, for a long time. Now think of it. Gary. I know he probably didn't think of it like this. Gary's taking ground. He's just loving those girls and serving the people there and, you know, sharing the love of Christ any way he can. That's taking ground. Folks, listen to me. As God equips us and empowers us, every single one of us need to be thinking, what is God raising me up for? What am I to engage in to go out there and take ground outside of this place? Amen? Hallelujah. I'm not finished, but I'm through. Everybody stand to your feet. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.